Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I had one of them cool mics that came down, and I was like, right at the last song, like I was messing with it, and it broke. And I was like, yo, what, what is going on? So I had, to, I had to use this mic. But my name is Tyreek Wesley, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, here at the living room, we believe that we are your guys' home away from home. And at homes, what do you see hanging on the walls? You see pictures. So as you get ready to meet me, I want, you guys, I want to introduce myself to you guys. I want to introduce you to my family. So this is my family right here. Make some noise. Yep. So uh, this is my wife, Shakira. This is my son, Tyson. I affectionately call him the boy. That's my boy. Uh, this is my daughter, Jordan. She is four years old. I call her the girl, so the boy and the girl. Um, that's what I call them, and we ain't having no more, so that's what it's going to be. Um, it is what it is. So a little bit about me. I met my wife in college. My wife went to the Clark Atlanta University. Clark Atlanta, make some noise. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And I went to Morehouse. Morehouse, if you in the building, me and you, it's all good, though, brother. We strong. We strong. We strong. And so, yeah, like we fell in love, met in college, so there's hope. I literally was y'all ages when I met my wife, but make sure you pick right, all right? Otherwise, you might be stuck, you know? You'd be in a bad situation. Um, something, so, so this is a big year for us. 2020 is a big year for us because Jordan starts kindergarten. And so, yeah, I know, I, my youngest is starting kindergarten, but it's also, last year was big news, or big, a big year for us, was because Tyson started kindergarten. Can we throw the picture up? This is Tyson on his first day of school. Now, this is kindergarten. Now, he may look like a happy kid getting ready to go to school, but on the other side of this lens are two parents fighting back anxiety, right? Because this is what you don't know. Tyson and Jordan have never been out of me and my wife's sight for real, for real. Like, we didn't do preschool. We didn't do any of that stuff. They just stayed home with my wife. So to have them be in the care of somebody else, it just, it's just messing me up. Now, the good thing is, Tyson, and something that you're going to learn about me too, is I used to be a school teacher, all right? So I, any education majors in here? Any education? Shout out. Yeah, yeah. So I taught kindergarten for one, excuse me, I taught kindergarten for one year, and I taught first grade for two years, and I loved it, and I actually taught at the school that Tyson goes to. So the principal, the teachers, some of my old classmates, some of my old students are all there. So when Tyson walks through the door, he's already low-key the man. The principal knows his name. The older kids know his name. And there's benefits from him having a dad who used to be a teacher, right? Like, I'm sure in his little six-year-old mind, he's thinking, man, I'm going to get to go to the teacher's lounge. You know, the teacher's lounge, they got the vending machines and all that good stuff. He's probably thinking, man, I'm going to be the line leader anytime we go anywhere because, you know, my dad Daddy used to work here, so I'm going to be in the front. And he's probably just thinking, I'm going to get all sorts of special treatment because my dad used to work here. Now, he's probably thinking, too, that kindergarten is going to be a breeze or being at this school is going to be a breeze because my dad used to work here and he knows everybody. But the older Tyson gets, Tyson's going to begin to realize that there are absolutely challenges with his dad being a former teacher. Anybody in here, mom and daddy, your teacher? Okay, so you know what I'm about to say. So there are absolutely your challenges. Number one is there are expectations for Tyson. Anytime he does any assignment, anytime he show up in any class, they know that's my son, so the bar is high for him and his schoolwork. Second thing, 
his dad has access to all the teachers, right? Like, that's nothing for me to text one of my old friends and be like, hey, what's Tyson up to, right? So I'm always able to check up on him. And because I used to work there, I get more access. I just get to go into the school. I don't got to stop at the front desk like all the other parents. No, no, I used to work here. So I could just pop up on him at any time, right? And also, right, he just can't act up. Because if he act up, he going to get... Y'all know it. You know it. Listen, I used to work there. So the moment he tries to get out of line, I'm pulling up and there's going to be a problem. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. All of these challenges are only there because of his association with me. And I'm sure there will be times in Tyson's life where he's be like, man, I just wish I could be a part of a different family, but that's not going to happen. And he's probably thinking, man, I really just want to go to a different school, and that's not going to happen. So that's just going to be the case for him. There are challenges in his life because who his dad is. Now, y'all know this, right? Being associated with certain groups and certain people can bring all kinds of tension in your life. But the similar thing is your relationship with Jesus is a lot like Tyson's situation in school, right? When you first get to school or when you first fall in love with Jesus, you start following with Jesus, you're praying every day, you're studying your Bible, you're listening to worship music as you drive, don't be crashing. You know when it get good to you, right? You know when it get good to you, you have to pull over. And that's how it starts, right? Like you're so excited and you're so passionate. And some of you or some of us begin to believe that once we follow Jesus, we believe that following Jesus means our lives are going to be easy. But you know that that's not true. The longer you live and the longer you follow Jesus, you know that there's going to be challenges in your life all because you're associated with him. You're following Jesus. Now things in your life have changed, right? Without him, you could have did things one way. But now that you're following him, things got to go a different way, right? Like dating. Dating's different when you're following Jesus. You can't just be dating any old body. Now you need, now you got some standards. You're trying to figure out if they love Jesus too, right? But that problem wouldn't be there if you weren't associated with Jesus. How you handle your money, right? Without Jesus, you probably could just do whatever you want to do. But Jesus calls all of us to be stewards of the little money we got, which means that we have to be generous, which means we have to think of other people. This problem wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our affiliation with Jesus, How we go through school changes. We can't be cheating in class all the time now. Now, I'm going to be real. I thought about, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I thought about taking that off. You know, I just, I just did. Because I feel like you just got to graduate at the end of the day. You feel me? You just got to get out. You got to get out. Don't cheat, but I'm just saying, get out. I'm saying, get out. You know, I just feel this too, right? I feel if a professor says this is a take-home test, what they mean is this is a group effort. That's, that's really what you mean. <laughs> don't, don't tell me to take it home and then do it by myself. Like, that's not happening. Like, we in this together. We got to get out. You feel me? But yes, but following Jesus should impact the way that we go through school. And also, following Jesus can change our life plans. When we're following Jesus, you thought your life was going one way. And all of a sudden, you're following him, and there's this pull in your heart and your soul to go into a different direction, and you can't can't explain it in any other reason other than, man, I'm following Jesus. So we're going to talk about tonight, what do we do in this situation, right? Because our lives are built on comfort, right? We got Netflix, we got all this stuff that's that's just supposed to make our life convenient. But here it is, we're following Jesus, and we're following Jesus, and our life is becoming more challenging, all because we're affiliated with him. 
So what do we do? Because sometimes when things get challenging, what we end up doing is we end up changing or we end up leaving. But this is Jesus we're talking about. So what do we do in that situation? And I'm glad you asked that question because the scripture that we're looking at tonight addresses that particular situation. The disciples and Jesus are in a situation where it's, it's crazy and we're in John 6. And John 6 is this huge chapter in the Bible. And so I can't just read the scripture. I got to like set up the context with y'all because it's like going into a movie halfway. You're like, what's, what's going on? You know, I don't, I don't get it. So here's what happened. So Jesus and his disciples was hanging out. And they were hanging out. All of a sudden, this crowd of people gathers around Jesus, this huge crowd of people. And Jesus looks at them, and he goes, oh, they're, they're hungry. Hey, disciples, come here. The 12 of them that I originally, you know, picked, y'all come here. I want y'all to go get some food and feed them. And they check in their pockets. They're like, Jesus, we ain't got no money, and we ain't got no food. And he's like, okay, well, go see what food is out there, and then bring it back to me. So they come back with two fish and five loaves. And Jesus takes it. He breaks it, and they go feed 5,000 people. This miraculous sign happens, right? And so later on that night, you know, it's an impromptu cookout. What do you do after a cookout? You go to sleep, okay? So everyone falls asleep, and Jesus and his disciple was like, hey, man, you know what? We're going to roll. We're going to head over to the other side of the lake. So they get to the other side of the lake, and that crowd of people wakes up, and they're like, hey, where's Jesus at? Where, where's the people that was with him? Where's Jesus at? And some fishermen are like, oh, they went to, they went to the other side of the lake. So this massive group of people get in boats and they go find Jesus. And when they find Jesus, Jesus is looking at them and he's like, oh, he knows instantly why they came to him. And he says, yo, you didn't come because you saw this miraculous sign. You came because I fed you. You're hungry again and you want some more food. And so Jesus is irritated by this. It's not that Jesus is against feeding people. That's not the case. It's just that Jesus had a different agenda in what he wanted to communicate to this group of people. So Jesus starts making all of these big statements about who he is. I know y'all came for physical bread, but Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And so the crowd is looking at Jesus, and they're like, oh, all right, cool. We, 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 came for the real, we came for bread, though. Like, we, like we hungry. And I can feel the disciples, like from their perspective, like they've been rolling with Jesus the longest and they're seeing the crowd kind of get shifty. They're seeing the crowd kind of look at each other like, what is he, what is he talking about? Like, we, they came for food. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues and he makes this statement and he says, I'm telling you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life. And so now the disciples are like, oh my God. <laughs> they like, Jesus, there's so many there's so many other ways you could have said that, right? Like, they, like folks is really looking at them like, yo, what is, what's up with your mans? Like, what's going on? And so then, Jesus being Jesus, he ain't pulling no punches. He doubles down and he says this. He says, those that eat my flesh and drink my blood will have eternal life. Now, I was practicing this earlier today, and I read this to my four-year-old daughter. I read to Jordan. She was like, what? She's like, daddy, what you reading? I said, I'm just reading the Bible. Don't worry about it, girl. Don't, don't even worry about it. But here it is, Jesus making these big statements, these big claims about who he is. And they knew exactly what he was saying. They weren't thinking of cannibalism. Jesus was saying, whatever thing you go to for nourishment, whatever thing you go to when you're hungry, whether physical or spiritual, I'm the thing. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. So anything else y'all going after, if it's not me, you missing it. And so the crowd is looking at each other. They getting quiet, but then they start talking amongst themselves. The disciples' palms are sweaty. They're like, oh, my God. They probably doing that little nervous laugh when things get weird. Like, <laughs> yup, bread of life. Yup. 
And that's where we are in our story. That's where we're getting to get into this scripture, right? We drop right into the middle of this tension where the disciples who have been associated with Jesus, how it's been easy for them to follow Jesus. In fact, yesterday, everything was all good at the cookout. Now the crowd is getting restless. Now they're looking at him like he's a little off. And this is what happens. Because of though, because of this, the things that Jesus said, the claims that he made, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So the crowd starts shrinking. The crowd is getting smaller. They're looking at Jesus like, nah, like, I get what you're saying, but I'm not, I'm not with that. And so the disciples are seeing the crowd shrink. They're seeing them get smaller. And you know what the source of their problem is. The source of their problem right now is that they were connected. They were in a relationship. They were following Jesus. And now it ain't so cute to follow Jesus. Now the crowd is leaving. And you know if the crowd's looking at Jesus like he's crazy, he's looking at them 12 like they crazy. Y'all been in these situations. You know that like if someone was to ask you to do something or go somewhere, and you say no, and the only reason you don't go or do is because you're following Jesus, and if you tell them that, they're going to be looking at you like, oh, you one of them. Okay, all right. Like, some of you know, like, if you take a stance and you see and speak up for those who may not have as much power or as much voice as other people, people are going to look at you like, yo, what's, what's up? Like, chill. So the people are leaving and the disciples are seeing them leave and it is convenient for them too to possibly leave because everyone else is leaving so they could just scooch on if they wanted to. So in this moment, as people are beginning to leave, Jesus turns to the 12, the people that he handpicked and he asked this question, do you also wish to go away? He's looking at Peter, he's looking at Juice, he's looking at all of them, he's like, do you also wish to go away. And so here's this moment. What do we do in our lives when following Jesus brings hardship or challenges in our life? Peter, one of his disciples, speaks up and he answers this question and he says, Lord, to whom can I go? To whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So he answers Jesus' question with a question, Lord, to whom can we go? And I love this because it implies we try to go so many other places to find fulfillment. Remember, the statement that got everybody in trouble was Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. The thing that you search after, the significance, the joy, the purpose is found in me. And Peter's like, yo, where am I going to go? I can't go in my career, it's not going to satisfy me. I can't go and chase the money, it's not going to satisfy me. I can't go in this relationship, it's not going to satisfy me. It can't be sex and drugs, it's not going to satisfy me. Where else am I going to go? The thing that I want the most, the thing that I'm chasing after the most, I can't get nowhere else but you. And then he goes on and he says, yo, not only that, but you have the words of eternal life. Now, a lot of times when we think of eternal life, we think of this going to heaven situation, and that's part of it. But what Peter is saying is eternal life is talking about life at its fullest, at its biggest, at its brightest, a life that is connected to God. And Peter is saying, listen, if I'm going to learn anything about that, I got to get it from you. In fact, later on in the book of John, Jesus answers what eternal life is, and he says eternal life is a relationship with his Father and him. And Peter's like, look, I ain't going to get that nowhere else. I probably, I've tried. And then he finishes with something I think is really important. He says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And I love this part because it says, we have come to believe. 
meaning that the 12 who have been with Jesus the longest didn't come in thinking everything about Jesus and believing everything about Jesus. It was a process. And through that process of them following him, they have come to believe in who Jesus was, the Holy One of God. Now remember, y'all, all of their issues in this text is all because of who they're affiliated with. It is their affiliation with Jesus that is causing tension in their lives, and y'all know that tension in your own lives for those of you that follow Jesus. But here's the thing. If you don't hear nothing else tonight, here's what we want you to go away with. Following Jesus will be costly, but not following Jesus will cost you so much more. Because think about it. If, if it's true, if he is the bread of life, Anything else that we're chasing after for fulfillment, for pleasure, for joy, is all bread that's going to spoil. It's all drink that's going to leave you thirsty. It's LaCroix. Now, it's, have you ever been thirsty and drank LaCroix? It don't help. It don't help. Like, you still, like you're still thirsty. I don't know, but the bubbly water. You know what I'm talking about, the bubbly water? So, so what we're saying is, yes, it's going to cost you something. Yes, your relationships might be a little bit more challenging. Yes, you might have to break up with that girl. Yes, you might have to break up with that boy. But it's all for a good reason. It's all for a better reason. Here's something that I love. When it was inconvenience to follow, the 12 decided to stay. Now think about it. Like the whole crowd of people were called disciples. Like everybody was following Jesus. But as the crowd left, these 12 stayed. And why did they stay? They had a correct view of who Jesus was. So through following him, they came to believe in who Jesus was and him being the son of God. And the thing that I love about Jesus is Jesus is not going to demand anybody to follow him. When the crowd started leaving, Jesus wasn't looking at them like, y'all bet not. Peter, Peter, Judas, get, get over here. Y'all ain't going to do me like that. No, he just turned and asked them a simple question. Do you want to leave too? And I love that because it shows that he's not willing to push or pull anybody, but he's willing to love us all into following him. Y'all listen, following Jesus is costly, but not following him will cost you so much more. And it makes me think about Tyson, right? Tyson being in this school and the benefits definitely outweigh the negatives for him being in a school that I used to teach at. Something you don't know about Tyson and Jordan is both Tyson and Jordan were born with a blood disorder. They were born with sickle cell anemia. And so when I stopped working at the school, I knew already, okay, Tyson's going to go to this school. And I'm going to make sure that anybody that works in this school is going to know Tyson's story and know that Tyson is a kid who has special needs. And Tyson is a kid that you need to make sure and watch attentively. And so Tyson doesn't even realize this, but we went to all these meetings. We talked to his teachers. We talked to the principal to make sure that whenever Tyson was in pain, they would let us know. To make sure they had the proper food for Tyson to eat. To make sure that the room wasn't too cold because Tyson might get in pain. Y'all, following Jesus, the benefits totally outweigh the negatives. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, things are hard. And the thing I need y'all to understand tonight is this. If we ever are wondering about how much God loves us, how much Jesus loves us, we don't have to ask that. Because he was willing to die for us. He was willing to give up his life for us. And I'm going to tell you this. As a dad of two kids... If somebody came to me and was like, look, it's either your kids or this whole room, y'all all gone. I'm just letting y'all know. I'm, I'm picking my kids. 
So for God to send Jesus, what does that say about how much he loves you and adores you and cherishes you? Yes, it's going to be costly, but it's so worth it. So this is what I want to do tonight. There are people in here who've probably never gotten the opportunity to follow Jesus. Never gotten the opportunity to take a step toward him. Because one thing that Glow said was so true, it was that when it's a dark tunnel, he comes to us. So you don't have to wait, oh, let me get my life together. That's not how it works. He already died for you. He already showed his love for you. He already proved it. So this is what I want. I want everybody here to put their heads down. If you're in here tonight, and you realize for the first time, man, Jesus is worth following. Yes, it's going to be costly, but it's so worth it that God is working things out on my behalf that I can't even imagine. That he's setting up situations for me before I even walk in because he loves me that much. If you're in here and you want to place your faith in Jesus tonight, with everyone's heads down, I want you to slip your hand in the air right now. Amen. Put your hands down. Put your hands up. Y'all, people put their hands up. People were willing to put their faith in Jesus for the first time tonight. And so this is what I want them to do. This is what I want you to do. If you're one of those people, I want you to be bold, and I want you to be brave, and I want you to step out. This is what I want you to do. Here, we are going to celebrate that decision. We think that is the best decision that you could ever make. We think that's a decision that will make your life absolutely better. Not easier, but absolutely better. So if you were one of those people that slipped their hand up today, I want you to be brave, and I want you to stand up right now, and we all going to make some noise. Make some noise. Let's go. Now, let me get everybody else to stand on their feet with them. Everybody else, stand up. Everybody else, stand up. Because no one's in here alone. I'm going to pray and I want you guys to repeat after me. This isn't anything special. It's just a prayer that we pray when we want to put our faith in Jesus. Repeat after me. Father, I'm a sinner. I need you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. I'm not going to run to things that aren't him. Thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen.